that is Rated L. I'm Diane Byrne, your host for this podcast series, in which we share conversations with interesting and inspiring people in the large yacht industry. If you receive our monthly newsletter, you might remember in the most recent edition, I share some pretty pointed commentary on sexism that I experienced when I first joined this industry, which was in the 1990s, no less, not the so-called dark ages. Um, You know, while those knuckle-dragging Neanderthal behaviors, as I call them, have dramatically fallen, still yachting has a ways to go to achieve equality. So thankfully, a few agents of change are making a difference. In fact, one of the best and most organized initiatives that I have discovered is She of the Sea. It's focused on promoting diversity and inclusion across yachting, and it's run by two former yachties, and yes, they are both women, who noticed a decided lack of women on deck. They created She of the Sea to ensure professionals and ultimately owners benefit from a high-performing, competency-based industry, regardless of gender. These are reasons why I also proudly shared in the newsletter that MegaYachtNews.com recently became one of She of the Seas' formal supporting organizations. There are further reasons why for this Mega Yacht News radio interview, I sat down with Jenny Matthews, who is the founder and one of the partners. While She of the Sea has achieved a lot in its short two-year history, frankly, it's more than some have achieved in a decade, it is equally important to note that the story of She of the Sea and what its goals are, are positive. Jenny, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Amazing. Thank you so much for reaching out. My pleasure. We're really happy to help support She of the Sea and get this message out there. So it's definitely time for uh, for yachting to evolve for sure. Yeah, it's amazing seeing so many people just really excited to engage with this. So yeah, just really happy to share it. Excellent. So let's start with how you got involved in, in boating and yachting. I always like to, to talk to people about what kind of got them first interested in just enjoying the water, first of all, and then what convinced you to become a crew member? Yeah, absolutely. So very much, very much um, a chance, chance encounter. Um, I, you can probably tell by my accent, I did grow up in New Zealand. So I think, you know, most New Zealanders have a bit of an affinity with the water. You know, it's very coastal. And so, and I spent most of my teenage years rowing out on the water. And then one day randomly had a conversation with my next door neighbor. Turned out he was a captain and his wife was a chief stewardess. Uh, now, at the time, I was enrolled for university to do a Bachelor of Commerce, <laughs> and I think I dodged a com- <laughs> I dodged a bullet there with that conversation because after chatting to him, you know, he shared about the industry, asked me what I was into, um, and pretty much after that chat, I was uh, totally 100% decided that I was going to go and become a captain. <laughs> so, you know, I ran back home to my parents and said, I'm not going to university, I'm going to go uh, to France. <laughs> So that's how it happened, <laughs> much to their surprise. Um, yeah, and then, you know, 12 years later, here I am. That's amazing. So just the one conversation convinced you to become a captain. That's extraordinary. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we ticked all the boxes, you know, really loved being physical, loved the sunshine, loved traveling, was really passionate about creating teams, um, high performance, obviously, from the rowing. 
Um, and it just, yeah, it sounded like, I was like, oh my gosh, and I get paid for that? Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Book my ticket, yeah. Like, gee, I get to travel the world, I get to do what I want to do professionally, and it all comes to the paycheck. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, he was really good as well, because he did give me a really fair um, story, you know, about it, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and was like, okay, well, if you're going to go on the captain's route, you know, there are some things you need to be aware of and you know so I I didn't come in with rose tinted goggles and I really you know I I thank him for that yeah that's good that's really good to have people like that kind of looking out for your best interest for sure so when you joined as a crew member um as as I'm sure some people who know the she of the sea story also know you looked around and noticed there really weren't any other women or many other women um in deck roles so it's one thing to notice that there's a lack of diversity in a particular profession, but it's a very different thing to actually be motivated to do something about it. So what, what you know, kind of lit that fire for you? Yeah, really, really kind of fascinating process. And to be totally honest with you, I, the penny didn't even really drop with me until uh, 2018 when I got my officer's ticket so I'd already spent you know nearly nine years in the industry and it wasn't until um, you know I passed this oral exam and I was getting all these congratulations but it was followed by did you know there's less than 10 women with this ticket and I think it must have been like this perfect storm of you know being so proud and excited um, and then you know Jacinda Ardern had just been voted in as the prime minister and it, it, like all of this kind of culminated in me being oh my gosh like surely that can't be true um and it just sparked this huge curiosity and to be honest even more honest like it never received the seed never uh, started as um you know an impact or action community at first it was really just me saying who else is out there? I, I, I can't possibly be the only one here. <laughs> so and it's just snowballed from that, really. What did you find when you started to do that outreach to saying, you know, I'm not the only one out there, surely, you know, who else is out there? Was it all just kind of word of mouth among crew or, or was it a, a little bit more formal? Well, I went to the only place that I knew of that there might be some other women with these tickets, uh, which was the Facebook group, uh, Girls on Deck. And I think now they've got like 4,000 members and it's really like quite a, a, a great community. And I literally just posted as like, I just passed my oral exam and someone told me there's only 10 of you out there. Like, I don't believe it. So I need to show hands. <laughs> right. And like, to be honest with you, it was an avalanche. It was an avalanche of women that, but they were all saying the same thing. They were like, oh my goodness, I had no idea that anybody else was out there. So I kind of recognized this need to kind of bring everyone together. And I had not really much idea of where it would go from there. I kind of just wanted some friends to share my experience with, <laughs> you know, and I sat down and I Googled like, how do I build a website? <laughs> and, and I literally just snowballed from there. Yeah, that's great. So with with She of the Sea, one of the things that I think is incredibly impressive is that there is this diversity pledge that companies sign. And and again, similar to the question I just asked you before, it's one thing to talk about diversity and talk about supporting it. And it's quite another thing to actually have not just a pledge saying we will commit to making a difference, mm-hmm. but actually a pledge where the companies have to demonstrate that there's a difference 
So talk about that too. Talk about how you came up with that idea, because I think that's really, that's a huge difference maker for any industry, but particularly for yachting. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of speaks to the natural journey that even, I think I, I think what I really happened here was I replicated my own personal education journey into a way that would be, you know, palatable, understandable and actionable to organizations regardless of where they sat in the sectors. So, you know, I went from being like, hey, there's other women, this is amazing, to really understanding the power of diversity and inclusion and the incredible business case behind it and actually how critical it is to the sustainability of the industry. Like that's a year long education journey for me. And what I found was as I started going on this is that although yachting, you know, you may have heard it a few times, we may be 10 years behind the rest of the world in quite a few crucial conversations. So not design and not the, you know, amazing experience, but in a few other ones and diversity is one of those. It might be new for us, but the rest of the world has been working on this for decades. You know, there is research, data-backed research out there, there's studies, there's, you know, people have been implementing strategies and seeing how they work. What does work, what doesn't work. For example, quotas do not work. So we know to avoid them with a 10 foot pole, you know, we don't want to go there. It's been proven that it doesn't work. So what we did is we went and we reached out to people um, like our advisory board. We've got Vanessa Sonyake there who does diversity and inclusion for, you know, huge banks and law firms, et cetera. And we worked out what has worked in the rest of the world. And we took these strategies and we boiled them down and we, we basically, we didn't reinvent the wheel, we just reshaped these commitments so that they would work in our unique landscape. And what, what the, the reason that we did this is that we, we were aware that, you know, it's not like the yoga industry wasn't ready or willing to do this, but we needed to break down the barriers of, okay, we want to do this, but how exactly do we do it? Um, and create that support and that direction, and also that accountability. Um, to really get everyone singing off the same hymn sheet. Talk about that accountability because that, that I think is really important. What are, you know, what are one or two of the specifics that a company has to commit to in terms of that accountability when they sign the diversity pledge? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, we've obviously created a pledge handbook which um, outlines what the commitments are. And we really do encourage people to take their time and you know, take it to the board and go over this and get, you know, the whole company on board. Um, and so, for example, the four commitments are A, assign a senior at the top who is responsible for the commitment and also instilling this um, new mission within the organization. So, top down. Second one is a data contribution. Now, this comes into the accountability. Now, we are creating an annual report, which is going to create a data kind of snapshot of where we are as an industry. Um, and that's how we're going to measure our success um, of the strategies that we implement over the next few years. The third one is to adjust the visual and verbal representation within, and, you know, that's everything from print or things like podcasts, events, advertising material, the whole lot. And the fourth one is to look at the hiring and placement practices and see what's happening in the talent pipeline. You know, what could be better? What could open up? What could uh, be changed? Now, Obviously, that is quite a huge task. So we're not asking anyone to just rave, you know, wave their wands and, and you know, restructure a whole organization, but it does start to give direction. 
and an understanding of what we're going to be working on. So once that's understood, we obviously we vet all of the people that sign our uh, pledge. We understand, you know, greenwashing is a thing. So is pink washing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know we make sure that we we have conversations with every single organisation that joins us and ensure that their values really do reflect those of the pledge. Um, and that kind of, you know, there is a, it's not a, a one, you know, a lifetime sign up, we revalidate people once a year. It's a, we look at it like a long term relationship. This isn't just a sign up and then off you go. We're in continuous kind of contact with all of our signatories. Yeah, that's good because there there is a, a concern I know among some people I've spoken to in general, not specifically in reference to Shia the Sea, but in general when it comes to initiatives that want to um, accelerate change, mm. there's there's a, a beautiful heart at the center of yeah. the motion and the movement, but the mindset is not 100% where it needs to be. There isn't the vetting, for example, there isn't the follow-up, especially. So it ends up just being a little feel good, hey, you know, <laughs> let's all pat each other on the back and, yeah, and not sure. really do anything. And, and people I think are very, very conscious these days of trying to avoid that because that mistake has been made so many times. Oh, yeah. And in business in general. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that we were really conscious of before we even started the pledge. And, you know, I had a huge education um, on, you know, like the SDGs, um, the theory of change, how to measure your impact, how to report your impact to your, you know, your stakeholders and shareholders moving forward. So, you know, I've been learning a, a lot personally about how not just to talk about change, but to action it. Um, and, you know, I think one of the first things that people have to recognize with change is that it doesn't happen overnight. And you know, we're going from, from zero to starting to move an entire industry in a certain direction. So it's going to take some time, right? There's a, there's a bit of education that needs to go in there and a bit of like sharing actually um, and understanding the business case. Like what do we have to gain? And what do our stakeholders have to gain? Um, and then when we look at, you know, we're dealing, we're, we're connecting with everything from giant shipyards to insurance, to law firms, to management. So this is a very diverse landscape. And yes, we provide, you know, strategies and projects to be involved with, which directly address the talent uh, recruitment, progression and retention pipeline, which is, you know, what this is all about really. Um, but we also encourage all of our signatories to hear what's going on, look at, you know, read the studies, look at these strategies and to go back to their own organizations and say, hey, what are our unique areas of impact? What can we do as, you know, everyone's unique. So we do provide a bit of a, 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 a map of where to go and, and bring everyone together on projects to collaborate. But then there is, you know, we are, we are all enabled to make impact in our own landscapes as well and encouraged and celebrated. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's good that it is also diverse membership wise because an insurance company has a very different experience from a yacht management company, from a shipyard and and the, the pros and cons of each company's experience will only help the other companies, first of all, avoid some of the pitfalls 
Um, yeah. but, but even if a company has not experienced a particular issue, they might be able to suggest a solution that would work it, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that, you know, this company over here is a shipyard and this company over here is an insurance company. They both employ people. They both employ yeah. people to do specific tasks. There are management structures, there are reporting structures, you know, that yeah. is common across the board. Absolutely. And I'm really glad you brought that up because this kind of speaks to, I guess, one of the desired impacts of a few of our projects. So the first one is the roundtable events, which all of our signatories are invited and encouraged to attend. Now, each roundtable has a specific kind of area of impact, which we can all have input on. So, for example, our first one coming up is visual and verbal representation. We all have marketing. We all have websites. We all tell a certain story. Um, and so this is our opportunity to, uh, to bring the spirit of collaboration and work out what narrative do we want to tell, not just to ourselves, but to the owners and to the wider world when they look at our industry. What do we want to tell them? But also then, you know, what are the barriers that we face? One thing that we get all the time from our signatories is, hey, I want to update my website. I can't find any good quality photos of women. Like, like women on the helm, women in these kind of, or, you know, literally anyone that's not white, you know, let, let's, let's talk about the whole lot here. That's finding those images to present as part of the challenge. So these are the barriers that we're going to tackle together as signatories. The other part of that is in the annual report, we're not just reporting on where we are, you know, statistically in terms of, you know, diversity within our organisations, we're also presenting best practices for each sector you know so uh, how do how does the this certain crew recruitment how are they bringing a diverse and inclusive pipeline through to the yachts how are the management companies bringing it in shipyards you know so our goal here is to create a playbook that anyone in the industry can check this out see where we are see where we've come and also look at proven strategies that work and implement them in their own landscapes I'm glad you brought that up too, because a moment ago, you were talking about your advisory board. Yes. And I think the advisory board is incredibly impressive. Just to look at the backgrounds of some of these people is really fascinating. For people who are not yet familiar with She of the Sea, talk a little bit about who these people are on the advisory board, especially the people who are from outside of yachting. You know, you mentioned Vanessa before, and you've got um, a few people who are not inside yachting. So who are they? What do they do? Why did you want to bring them in? I really love this question because this group of individuals hold a very, very dear place in my heart in that each of them in very different ways came into my, my landscape and just absolutely opened up not just their hearts, but their incredible experience um, from the, each unique backgrounds. And we're just, you know, it, I could... <laughs> I invited them to become advisors because that's what they were already doing. You know, I was already sending them pledge documents. You know, what do you think about this strategy? Has this worked? You know, what are you doing for you? You know, what do you think of the challenges? And they've been as much part of this creation process as Tash and I. Um, and when we look at people like Vanessa, you know, this is, she does this all day, every day. She's working for Standard Charter Bank at the moment as part of their global diversity and inclusion team. So, you know, you can just imagine what scale that is. Um, we met her through William McLaughlin from HFW. She was doing some temporary work there. 
and you know, um, not only is William advising us on various projects, but HFW are now providing us pro bono legal work. So everyone here is kind of contributing what they can to this message. And, you know, Kate Mardell, working next to Enios and the 1851 Trust, you know, her everything she does every day is reaching out to the next generation and educating them, making STEM amazing, exciting and accessible to young women. So we really have been blessed with the people that have been part of this journey. Nice, nice. And a big part I know of reaching out to is the mentorship program that you've just launched. So tell us a little bit about that too. Yeah, it's been a long incubation process. <laughs> you know, I think what I, I'm the first one to acknowledge that as a, as a chief officer, I might have a bit of a problem with being OCD and wanting everything perfect. <laughs> so a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. You know, we didn't want to just create a mentorship platform that was run off an Excel, street, Excel sheet. So we spent a long time researching and we found a software which is used by... Um, FTSE 100 companies and large organizations to basically facilitate their in-house mentoring programs. So it's called Mentor Loop and it's it's just incredible. It's, it does like AI matching, you match via your profile to the best people. Um, it does all, you know, your scheduling, in-app task management, all of that kind of thing. So it's really aimed at removing all of the, the heavy admin lifting that can go with mentoring um, so that all of our mentors and mentees can just focus on what they're there for which is creating a high impact relationship now what we've done is we've designed this for our first six month intake to be specifically to engage female deck and engineering crew as mentees and the mentors are actually uh, individuals of all genders ashore and at sea so we've got everyone from captains officers and engineers to project managers at shipyards we've got people from finance we've got management companies you know the whole lot and to supplement that mental loop kind of platform where people can connect and host them their, their mentee mentor relationship we're then providing um incredible kind of tools to supplement this experience so we're doing bi-weekly workshops on everything from like safety for under 500 gross ton to managing your finances to to you know oral prep uh, um, courses as well as live q and a's with some pretty inspirational people for example like rose darman we've got the ladies from rev ocean um, to name a few so we're basically <laughs> created everything that i wish that i had <laughs> <laughs> and put it into a six-month program. Uh, but, you know, the long-term goal for this, you know, our next intake is going to be for women ashore to join the mentor as mentees. And then the long-term goal is to be able to invite uh, individuals of all genders ashore and at sea into this kind of industry-wide program to address progression retention and the talent pipeline through across even from sea to shore as well so a big task <laughs> that's why we're taking step by step but we're really really excited about this yeah good good now I know asking you what else is on your radar is is probably a very big long task that could that could be an hour-long conversation <laughs> on its own I'm sure but what are some of the other things that you're really focused on for the near future 
Yeah, so I think we've already touched on the roundtables, the annual report and the mentorship uh, platform. And the other one that we're really excited about, like this, this opportunity is pretty incredible for the industry as a whole. Uh, we've partnered with Maritime UK as their careers partners for their careers campaign. Um, and essentially what they want to do is to, what they are doing is reaching out to all of the careers advisors in the UK uh, who then connect with all of the children and share with them about all the careers that are at sea. Now, this is partly driven by a bit of a kind of seafarer crisis that is coming up, creeping up, that people are very conscious of, is that do young people want to work at sea? Like, is that an appealing career anymore? So it's really trying to bring these opportunities to the forefront. Now, we've been asked to head up the entire super yacht sector for that, which is incredible. Um, I think it has a lot to do with not only our network of signatories, but also the message of diversity and inclusion, which is you know, woven into Maritime UK as well. So we're working with our signatories to, I'm not sure, I'm going to imagine you'd have this in America, <laughs> you know, like the Navy recruitment video, where it's like, oh, this exciting career option. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're creating the Supiot version of that uh, with all of our signatories to present the industry as a whole as this amazing long-term career option, you know, and not just for crew, but for the shipyards and the management and all of that as well. And this essentially is going to be put right in front of, you know, almost every child in the United Kingdom, which is just what an amazing opportunity um, and part of our next generation outreach. Yeah, that is great. We don't yeah. we don't have that unfortunately right now countrywide in the um, in the states, but different states have their own initiatives to especially to get more people involved in manufacturing, because yeah. manufacturing has dwindled dramatically in the states. Mm -hmm. and there's a real need to bring it back in a lot of respects, and it is a worthwhile profession, of course. The you know the attitude of society went from valuing manufacturing just saying, oh, no, 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 everybody should be doctors and lawyers and the white collar jobs. Those are better because you make more money. And then it's, it's come back again now to, it doesn't matter that you're white collar or blue collar, you're doing something that is contributing to the betterment of society, then that is what you should focus on. And we need yeah. people in every aspect of every type of job that there is. Yeah. So there's a huge focus on that in a lot of respects. And yawning isn't necessarily taught but there are maritime schools in a variety of states that are focusing on the military aspect, the um, you know the the yawning aspect, the commercial aspect, et cetera. So the more that we can all get the word out to them too, I think the better. Yeah, and it's kind of it's an interesting metamorphosis. It's actually kind of mirroring what's happening in the industry as a whole and what has been happening. Like if we if we really zoom out, compared to something like commercial shipping or the navy or aviation, like we're a very very small industry <laughs> and we've experienced a boom over the last 10 years like if you look at the difference from the industry even the way the boats looked how big they were 10 years ago to what they are now and if we look at the recruiting that we did 10 years ago it was almost like the best worst kept secret <laughs> yeah. you know, it was word of mouth that you got into it if you had a friend or an uncle or a neighbor like myself who kind of you know accidentally told you about it um and that, that kind of worked for a little while. But when we look at the demands for talent that we require, not just at sea, but when we look at the vessels, you know, Rev is 183 meters. You know, this is because, you know, we're getting, the vessels are getting larger. We need more talent, not just at sea, but to service this huge fleet now. 
we can't rely on word of mouth. We can't rely on Instagram. And we certainly, this might be divisive, so I'm sorry if it is, but we can't rely on below deck right. to be our only recruitment, you know, active recruitment. So this is a really great opportunity for us to actually go out there and attract the talent that we need to take us into the future. Right, right. It has to be proactive across the yeah. board. For sure. Yeah, we, we can't be complacent anymore because it's sending the wrong message um, to, you know, what the industry is and who's it for. Yeah, and with, with anything, if you want people to join your profession, to join your company, you need to be the one controlling the narrative. So it's it, like you said, it worked great for years that everything was word of mouth, but word of mouth is just not good enough anymore, yeah. especially when we have so many tools at our disposal. The internet is the way to reach the world instantly. Yeah. So we need to be putting out more messages through websites, through webinars, through podcasts like this, hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we, we need to take our own initiative and we need to take a multi-pronged approach in everything we do for sure. Yeah. And this is what we love so much about, uh, you know, the pledge is that it's not the sole responsibility of one voice or one sector. This is an opportunity for us to bring really that spirit of collaboration. And, you know, this is what we're doing now is sitting down and being like, hey, how do we want to tell our story? And not just to potential people coming into work, but to the owners. What do we want them to think about, you know, what they're investing these millions and millions of euros in? Is it a, is it a, um, is it an industry that mirrors what happens on below deck? Or is it a professional, high quality, high performance um, industry, which we are, but we just, we need to make sure that that message gets out there. Right, right, 100%. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today and shedding light on what you're doing with She of the Sea. You and your whole team, I should say, I shouldn't just make it sound like you are this, you know, army of one doing it all. <laughs> but but to, to be honest, we're an army of two. And I don't think I've ever, you know, <laughs> I've worked on yachts for years, and I don't think I've ever been as busy as I am now. But it's an absolute pleasure to be able to give back to an industry that, you know, we both love so much and see so much potential in. Yeah, 100%. Well, there's only good things to come, I'm sure. So we look forward to seeing them. Amazing. Thank you so much, Diane. It was great to have Jenny join me for this really important and compelling conversation. So if you'd like to learn more about what She of the Sea is doing to sign up as a supporting organization or see how else you can help out, I definitely encourage you to visit the website, which is sheofthesea.com. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share the word on social media, plus subscribe to our feed automatically. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Google Play Music. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction and design, you can check out our daily updated website, which is MegaYachtNews.com. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne. Thank you.